Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. All right, we have a great episode for you today. I have Nathan Heath in the house. Um, He is the owner of a brand new concept that I'm super excited to talk about. It's called Cultivate Tech's com. Well, that's the website, but it's, you know, Cultivate Texas. Um, and it's basically a way to, for you to garden at home and they help, you know, this is, they'll help come bring, build boxes and, you know, everything for you. So, you know, we're going to get into the logistics of that and what's going on. Um, it's in the Austin area right now. Um, you know, he's hoping to expand and do more things, but just got this started. Um, and, you know, this is someone that's been a farmer his whole life, grew up on a farm, you know, was done farming. Uh, in fact, on a farm for the last 10 years, sold a year ago, where he was providing, you know, produce to the literally the best restaurants in Texas. Okay. Uh, well, specifically Austin, you know, Olame, Emmer and Rye, Barley and Swine, right? Odd Duck, like, right? All these places, you name it, Suerte, you name it. This guy's providing uh, produce to them. So amazing. Um, well-respected among chefs and restaurants and, you know, other farmers. Um, so for this guy to get this going is just, you know, it's awesome. So anyway, it's a great episode. You know, we talk about farming, what he's doing, how you can help. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, go to cultivatetex.com and you can. Um, so check out uh, the Heath brothers. It's, it's him and his brother. But I have Nathan um, on the podcast today. So let's talk to Nathan and let's, let's start talking about farming. All right. Enjoy. And I see you're wearing the hat that I want to talk to you about. Cultivate, man. So I just looked this up. What this is like the best concept ever, man. I mean, I'm t- I was so excited when I saw this. So it's cultivatetechs.com. Uh, okay. Uh, but before we get into it, because I want people to get excited about it, but I want them to know what it is yet. Because first I want to talk about you a little bit, your background, so that people, you know, when we do get into it, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah. this, guy know, this guy knows what he's talking about. So let's, let's get into a little bit of your background. You've been um, farming, I guess, your whole life. I guess, just kind of give us a little breakdown about that. Sure. Um, how, you got to, how you got to cultivate, right? Let's just do that from there okay. to cultivate. Um, yeah, I was, I was technically born on a farm in southern Arizona. So um, I've been involved in ag most of my life. Wow. Yeah. Um, then my early 20s, I floated around and did some other things because I wanted to get away. Um, then I got back involved in uh, large-scale ag up in the Panhandle area and then um, moved to Austin about 11 years ago and started a farm in uh, Bastrop. And for the last decade, we were selling vegetables um, predominantly for the last five years just to the chefs in Austin. So before that, we did CSAs and at the farmer's market, um, okay. things like that. When I started growing vegetables, I wasn't even familiar with the whole farm to table restaurant because they don't exist in the panhandle then. <laughs> so the whole idea, and when I met the chefs, it was kind of mind opening. It was really exciting as a farmer because they wanted these really unique vegetables that uh, the general public wouldn't actually buy in volume. And 
they were having a hard time finding farmers that were growing it. So it was like a, a perfect mesh for us. Um, I just love growing new vegetables and the weirder I could grow, the more they loved it. So it was a, it was a great relationship and had a lot of fun as, as a farmer. It was really fun for me. That's so, awesome. That's kind of how I, my experience got here. Um, then I, I sold my farm last year um, and it's still going in Bastrop, which I'm very happy about. Um, she's doing a great job, Burden Farms. Nice. What's it and, called again? Say it again. Uh, Verdant Farms with no vowels. Got it. So her name is Becky. Um, so she took that over and is running it. That's been a dream of hers for a long time. Uh, she worked at JDG and some other farms in the area. So she's got good experience too. Um, so anyway, I was kind of floating around and I was installing what's called the farm boxes now, just kind of on the side because I can't get out of growing things. And when this whole pandemic happened, I was talking to my brother because he has I installed some of his house already and he had these ideas for technology and um, they were actually really beneficial and helpful um, so pretty much ever since I started farming in Austin I had technologists come to me that I've got this great idea to help farmers it's an app to help you sell food I was like that, that's not did you ever talk to a farmer first yeah <laughs> the last so, thing uh, they need is an app right you're like yeah we only charge five percent I'm like yeah <laughs> So I had gotten a little cynical to the tech side on in farming integration, but his idea was actually to help growing food. Um, so uh, that's where he comes from. He's got over 20 years of uh, tech experience at pretty high level. So um, that was pretty much how Coldplate was born. He had these ideas and it was instantly just like a light bulb. And it's like, man, those are amazing ideas. Let's do this. Then uh, obviously at this time, I think it's really beneficial too. And I think people are really open to the idea of growing food more and see the importance probably more than ever. So yeah, that's pretty sure. much how we ended here. And, um, I'm super excited about it because I've always liked teaching and sharing. I've mentored other farmers um, and I've even had classes at the farm to the open public. Um, we actually did a Kickstarter and built a teaching center out there. Wow. So it's you know, education and sharing the love of farming has always been a pretty big passion for me. That's so awesome, this, man. This just feels like the next evolution. And then yeah. I don't, to me, it's really exciting to be able to combine the tech in a really helpful way. So it's not going to be like front and center, but it's really going to be helpful. If you think of like a smart home, take into farming. Got it. So. Yeah, man, it's a really, um, so I'm just going to break it down for the listeners, like what exactly it is. So basically, if like you want to grow some, you know, vegetables at your house, you can call you. You'll come over, set up a, a you know, a box or whatever, like you see in all the Instagram photos and stuff that people have, right? And uh, you'll basically, you know, work with them on the vegetables and whatever and grow it for them, right? Like you basically cultivate it for them, right? Hence, hence cultivate text. And then they just, they get the, you know, the, the, the bounty of it, right? They just get to eat the, the vegetable. And then at the same time, right, hopefully learn a little bit about it, sort of get involved. And I guess the deal is people can step into it however much they feel like it right so if they feel like being very involved they could be very involved with it but if they feel like you know what i don't have time that's what i'm paying for i just want to you know not not do too much um they can do that too i guess um, um right i mean that's basically the deal yeah I mean, we have a it, it runs the gamut if we don't have to be involved in the maintenance if someone just wants us to come install the boxes and then fill it with some really amazing soil um so that i've kind of uh perfected over the last, you know, my farming career, because uh, not all soils created equal, and that's a no. large part of the problems people have. <laughs> so we'll fill it with that. We'll install the 
automatic drip uh, irrigation system and do the first planting for them. And then if they have the experience, they can take it over. That's awesome. Uh, or wow. we, like you said, we get definitely um, be much more involved in the maintenance of it. And then they can be as involved as they want. Uh, the, pretty much the only obligation they have is to make sure it's watered and then to make yeah. the food. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, a, for sure. That's a big one. And then eat it, right? Like, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. it's such a great concept, man, because so many people, I know, I know me personally that so many people have, um, you know, the desire to, to think about something like that. Like, oh, I would love to get some, growing some vegetables in my yard. I, I don't know one person that doesn't say that, to be honest with you. So, and, and, you know, I'm surprised there hasn't really been something out there to, you know, bring people together like this, but I guess because of, what, what's happening in the world right now, you saw an opportunity, you said, okay, I want to help people, right? Like, I guess, provide for themselves in a lot of ways, um, you know, which is great. Like, how, how much do those, how much do they yield? Like, I'm curious, like, how much food do they yield? I mean, it depends. I mean, generally, we say a box a person at a house. Okay. Uh, you know, if you how, how, big are the, how big are those boxes? Uh, they're four by eight. Four by so eight. So they have 32 feet of growing space. In um, generally in farming, you get about um, a pound or a bunch per linear foot a month. So if you, you think around 20 pounds slash punches per box. So if you want to eat 100% seasonal, you might need more than one. But most people, we still want to go to the store and get our bananas and our strawberries and our broccoli in July. Sure, so, yeah. <laughs> you think about it more as supplemental. Um, and then I have some customers that are actually vegans, and so they do require more. Um, because they are trying to grow, you know, a large portion of their food. Sure. So, you know, it does cover the gambit, but an average is a box a person. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, what are some of the, I'm just curious, I, I meant to ask you this question before when you were kind of introducing yourself to us, like, what are some of the restaurants you worked with here in Austin before when you were growing vegetables? Like, what are some of the places? Let's uh, see. So we started with Barley Swine when they're on South Lamar yeah. at their very first location. Wow. And then obviously went to Odd Duck when they opened that. And then did Sour Duck, Olive and June, Parkside, Eastside Pies, Dayui, uh, Intro, Paperboy, um, Suerte, um, Mondret, uh, Emmer and Rye, Hindit at the Food Center. Oh my God. I know I'm forgetting some. <laughs> oh, Lenoir. <laughs> These are like the be literally the best places in town, like in Texas, in some of the, some of them are the best of the South. Like, I mean, holy cow, man. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, we were looking the other day and it was like counting all the jeans beer nominations from the chefs we used to work with. And it was pretty impressive. So That's awesome. I was definitely honored. It opened my eyes to what food really could be. Yeah. I just pretty much had, you know, normal food before then at home cooking. Sure. Um, but to like go and eat it, say like uh, barley swine at the chef's tasting menu and to be taken literally on like a journey and see what food can do and how it can make you feel. Uh, it changed me for the rest of my life and how I view and interact with food. So, uh, Oh, I wow. Tremendous respect for what the chefs can do with food. Yeah. Um, and their level of commitment to local because truth is it's harder. Like it's way easier just to order from a big food co-op and they deliver everything. hundred percent. But you know, if you're working with four or five individual farmers, um, and, you know, there's a different, different levels of, uh, professionalism with some farmers. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, some, it just, it's really impressive the amount of effort they put into it. So, um, you know, I, I was thoroughly impressed with them and still am. I'm still friends with a lot of them actually. 
That's awesome, man. I, what I think is great is that someone like oh, yourself. Oh, man, sorry. Oh, Olame, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, he's done that. Him and Kevin Fink from uh, MRI, they're both on for that James Beard this year. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Texas got its own um, category, which uh, is de de deservingly so. Exactly. There's so many between Dallas, Austin, and Houston. I mean, it's like, it's a show if you come to Texas for good food, uh, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I think San Antonio is starting to get their own groove going, too. Yeah, that's true, man. They, they, you know, San Antonio's always been such a tough spot in our state. You know, they've always kind of taken a backseat to a lot of these other big cities. Uh, um, what I was going to say is, uh, what I think what's interesting is someone like yourself who has such, you know, deep-rooted ties to food, right, growing up in a farm can still be amazed by what food can do, right? Such later in life. I, I think that's amazing. I think that's super uh, receptive of yourself to, to just be even open to that journey, right? To go along with this and like, okay, I provided this, you know, these vegetables for you guys. Look what y'all did with it. Like, I didn't even know this was, I think that's so great, man. And to stick it through with them, right? Like, you know, see it through what, what they did with it. Not just like, here's the stuff. Yeah, I'm busy Friday, guys. I can't come out and eat, you know. Thanks for the invite, right? Like, uh, I think that's great, man. I think that's really cool. And tasting menus are absolutely the way to get to a chef's heart and mind, like, and find out who they are, what they're about. And they can be long, right? I've done some tasting menus that are, like, 30, 40 courses. Like, I mean, right? You're just like, good God. I can't – I mean, I, I stopped – you know, my brain stopped functioning like an hour into it, right? Just like so much food. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's great, right? You think, oh, one little bite? This this won't add up. Oh, it adds up. It, yeah. it, it adds up, right? Yeah, yeah that's I think awesome. The last one I did was at Barley Swine, and then they gave some kitchen love on top of it. So it ended up with like 15 courses. And you don't think two or three bites are going to end up being full. Oh, uh, you can like had to waddle out. But, uh -huh. you know, the whole thing, and then like, you know, giving you like a cucumber foam to cleanse your palate. It's like, what? Yeah. How does that work? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can taste new food. And just the whole thing was just, I mean, it was mind blowing to me. That's awesome. People spend that much time thinking about understanding food at like a molecular level. And then just knowing how it works. I think it's just amazing. If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense in the sense, maybe not, you know, at home, of course, we're not taking it that far, right? Like, I'm not making foams at home here, you know, like, just for Tuesday night dinner. But um, what what is cool is, you know, the effort that you and other farmers go to to create that, right, to grow that food. And honestly, that's the most effort is getting it, you know, grown. And then to someone to take it that seriously, right? They, they take what you gave them and they treat it like it's important, right? They're not just like, whatever, make some bullshit salsa, you know, it's like they, they've actually putting care into it. I, I can imagine as a farmer, at least for me, that would make me very proud and very happy. And just like, just like you said, it sort of changed your idea about food, but I would just be happy that they're, you, you know, respecting my product. Right. It's just not like some normal because like you said, when you order off the truck of Cisco or whatever these companies are, right, it's just comes in a case. You don't even think twice about it. you're not you're not oogling, goggling over the over the tomatoes that just came in or the whatever because they all look the same. They're all whatever. It's the same case you get all the time. There's literally nothing special about it. Even the flavor is dull. It doesn't even taste like anything. It's like water. Literally yeah. just tastes like, you know, water. 
Um, you know, and that's another big difference flavor wise, right? Like why, why is that? Let's talk about that. Like what, what is the, di why is that tomato like that? And then one you'll provide be just so juicy and flavorful and acidic, right. And just have those, those properties that make a tomato a tomato. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a complex answer sort of the easiest answer is shipability. Um, they grow and pick varieties for their ability to be packed and shipped. Uh, they need uniform size. And then um, uh, tomatoes in particular, um, they'll either pick them completely not ripe and then gas them to change the color, or they'll pick them at what's like a 10% blush, which is on the bottom. So like when I pick a tomato, I pick it at a 60%, which is almost to the crown, because the flavor doesn't really change after that. But if you pick it at 10%, you're pretty much picking something unripe. So that's why you have no flavor. Yeah. Uh, a lot of crops say like potatoes, a lot of people don't think about potatoes, the taste changing, but they pick them and then store them and the starches convert to sugars and it changes the taste completely. T totally. So, you know, there's 5,000 varieties of potatoes. In America, we have what, five? I, there's, I, yeah, you're right. There are tons of different types of potatoes and you're right, we have five. Like really, like, you know, you go, there's really one main one, right? That big ass, like baked <laughs> potato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, when you say they gas the tomatoes, what does that mean? That, that sounds uh, like horrific to me. What does that <laughs> even mean? Holy shit. Um, I can't remember the exact gas it is. It's basically the like, same thing that's naturally released by bananas or apples. That's why if you put uh, tomatoes in a bag with an apple, it'll ripen faster. So it's a natural gas, but they oh, have, they're basically warehouses and they put them on trays. So they ship them green. And so there'll be like a distribution center. Maybe San Antonio has uh, several food distribution centers. So they'll, you know, pack this warehouse with 200,000 pounds and then they gas it and then they ripen them and then they can, they'll, they'll still be firm. They won't, but they'll have that kind of kilfiness to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it is sort of the, the downside of how we ship food around, you know, like local farmers are doing great right now, but the big mega farms are throwing away hundreds of thousands of pounds of food a day because the transport system broke down. Yeah. Uh, so it just, I mean, it is sort of like so many tomatoes are grown in Mexico. A lot of it is labor and things like that. Um, but so to get from Mexico to Austin, that's a pretty short trip, actually. But you start thinking Seattle or New York or different areas. That's a good point. You can't really ship them ripe. And people want tomatoes all the time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I don't know if there's really an answer as long as we want what we want. Sure. That's a good point. That's maybe where it starts, right? The problem is just the expectations that we have as consumers, right? Um, I, I was actually talking to this about um, another farmer that's here in Texas. Um, he owns Parker Creek Ranch. Um, his name is Travis uh, Krause. And, um, he, he, you know, saying the same thing is sort of the expectation that you assume um, you know, sorts of things, right. That I can get strawberries year round that I can get these things. And I don't even think about it. Right. I don't think, Oh, how does this get to me? Right. I can just buy it just like, uh, Kellogg's, you know, rice Krispies, right. Like it's, I should be able to get it all the time. Uh, and my thought was, well, I think, you know, if we change people's expectations to know that things are seasonal and then I can only get them during this time, that's actually a better benefit right down maybe long-term for farmers. So they're not worried about providing a particular, you know, product year round or consistent. Cause I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how difficult that is for a farmer to do maybe almost impossible. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, well, they're tomatoes generally in greenhouses that are climate controlled. So there's huge ones in Southern Arizona, 
Uh, Marfa has the huge ones. Okay. Uh, tomatoes, I think is their name. Um, so they pretty much take nature out of the equation. Got it. Got it. Uh, so well, yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, is that is, but is that something, if it's going to be on a large scale, you have to do? Well, I mean, to grow tomatoes year round, yes, you have to take you variability to out. Yeah. Um, I mean, nature is the biggest pain in the ass, honestly, for a farmer because it is completely unpredictable. Sure. And um, you can go from a drought to Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. But that just is part of it. Um, I think as long as customers are going to do it, I don't personally believe people are going to change 100% the way they're eating just because we've gotten accustomed to it. So I kind of feel like it's, you're, you're, you know, trying to swim up a river when you're trying to convince people of that. I think it's a better approach to be like, why don't we try and get eat some seasonal local stuff? Um, you know, in a perfect world, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're pushing technology so far with growing that they're taking the distant stuff's traveling down, which is good. But, you know, I don't think it's going to change. I think people are going to want tomatoes when they want tomatoes. They want yeah. a hamburger, we want a tomato on it. Um, sure, sure. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same as everybody else. When I order something, I want it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, look, we're, we love to consume. We want what we want, right? It's, it's, that's part of our economy. That's fine. I mean, it's what keeps the economy pumping and going and I get it. You know, my, my thing is I just want, I want to see that connection happen, right? Between farmers and the consumer and ha and I, I just wanted to see it be more consistent and where it's, you know, water cooler talk, right? Where it's just something you're yeah, I ordered a farm box this week and this other guy, yeah, I went to HEB, right? Like it wouldn't be a normal thing. Cause right now if somebody says that, it's like, what, you got that from where? Like, oh, you hippie or something. They might even think you're some hippie just from ordering a farm box. Like what, it's just fresh food, dude. Like what are you talking about? Uh, so I just, I think if, once it gets to that point, right? I just, what, what, how, and how do you think we can start to make that happen? You know, more and more. I mean, you know, companies like yours and other farmers are actually doing well, right? The other farmers that I'm talking to, they're telling me their sales are up a thousand percent, you know, like considerably. Um, so obviously people are looking them out right now during the pandemic. Is that going to stick around? Right. And what do we do about that? Like, um, I mean, I think it's possible. It would be nice. I don't think it'll probably stay at the level it is. I think it'll probably come back down. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever go down to where it was before. Cause that generally doesn't have happens. Uh, I would like to see people just, you know, okay, you're going to eat tomatoes year-round, but when they're seasonal, buy them local. The taste is going to blow your mind. You're going to thank yourself for doing it. If yeah. you're not going to grow it, buy it from a farmer who did grow it locally. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's a lot of education, and it's, it's taken away the misconceptions. But as you know, so many people don't normally cook at home, and so that's often an issue. Yeah. Is they don't want to buy vegetables, well, because they're not cooking at home. Uh, yeah. Or if they, you know, maybe once or twice a week. So sure. again, we're asking people to change a lot of things. Yeah. And since this is such a new, new event, luckily, that it doesn't happen often, we don't have anything to compare it to. So I think you know we're all just guessing on when it's going to happen. That too. You know, I obviously it's going to change people in certain ways just because it's been such, you know, a life-changing event for the whole world. And so I think there's just no way you can go through something like this and not have some sort of effect. Uh, hopefully, we'll walk away with more positives than negatives. That's all you can hope for. Um, but the local food movement sort of has been going on for a long time. Um, but there is a lot of larger financial forces that have an interest in keeping it small. So that's just a reality. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of fallen apart a little bit during this, particularly the fresh side. Yeah. So, um, I think there's, there's opportunity for that to be talked about that, you know, 
a farm in Ohio, nothing against that whole Ohio farmer, but when he's growing, you know, 5,000 acres of zucchini, he's pretty successful. And the reality is when you grow that kind of crops together, your pest pressure is going to skyrocket because I mean, that's like heaven for the pest that loves zucchini. Yeah. Diversified mixed, you just have a better chance. Um, uh. So I that conversation will start getting into the national conscious a little more. And, you know, one thing that I really am excited about for Cultivate is installing these boxes at people's houses and young kids seeing vegetables for the first time, possibly growing and you know, harvesting their own potato and seeing that it comes out of the ground. Um, you know, my kids help on the farm a lot. Kids at school will be like, oh, potato doesn't grow like a tomato. They're like, sounds close. <laughs> we don't know. One of those kids could be the person who really solves this. Um, and I think yeah. you know, I get the next generation interested um, you know, average age of farmers is 60 plus now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got to start refilling that. Wow. With, um, and I think refilling it with innovative people that are forward thinking, um, you know, someone who's been involved in ag most of my life, there is a certain nostalgia to the past. Sure. And, you know, large farms using the same amount of technology, like tractors that are a million dollars, GPS controls, et cetera. But they still do things, or a lot of them still do things very much like they did in the 50s. Um, and we've learned a lot since then. So I would really like to see another generation of younger farmers um, that are more uh, technology focused. I really think we can push the envelope a lot further. I don't necessarily mean with like vertical brewing. That's a more on a science side almost the way they're doing that. You know, using robotic arms to grab things and self-harvesting yeah. and all that. And it's interesting and who knows where the future of that would be. Sure. Um, I'd like to see the nutrients tested in the food personally. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's always been my thing as a dirt farmer is, I always farm from the dirt up because that's how you end up with a complex food that tastes and has lots of nutrients is because the soil's feeding it. So if you're just literally giving a plant the nutrients it technically needs, uh, that's one reason hydroponic tomatoes, in my opinion, don't taste right. Because they're given the, the, the food they need to produce like crazy, but there's more to it than that. I see what you're saying. It's just like the obvious, what you think they need, right? But there's more support that's that, that comes from the ground itself yeah that that makes i mean that absolutely makes total sense right it's coming from the ground yeah well, think about how you eat as a person yeah technically you could live if you ate these basic things sure. but it's going to be boring yeah totally but, totally that, that yeah. absolutely makes sense so, yeah that's that, a, I, I view plants a lot like people you know we, we, we need spice and we need salt we need pepper these different things um, and i don't think we should view ourselves as so abstract and better than them I think we should work in a circle together and, and then you end up with better tasting food um, and if plants healthier resist pests better. So then you don't even have to use as much organic pest control. So the whole cycle just makes sense. Um, and you know, people laugh at me cause I smell soil a lot. <laughs> like my brother, cause he's not so much used to it. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm smelling man, sniff it's alive. And when I explained to him what the difference is, he can tell the difference now, but before, it was all the same to him. Sure. Dirt is dirt. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. You know, if you think about right, that's what I would think too. Maybe dirt is dirt. But you're right. I mean, it makes total sense that it has. Uh, plus, we have all of our so many senses in our nose, right, compared to anywhere else. Um, thousands of sensors, right, for wine, right? They say that about wine too. You, you're supposed to smell it uh, instead of drink it. Um, well, let me ask you this. So, it sounds like this is sort of an urban farming movement that you're doing, right? Because it's like trying to get people that maybe wouldn't farm before, right? Like wouldn't grow vegetables before, but 
you know, okay, let's get it at your house and, and have this. Is that, you think, maybe the way forward? Kind of urban gardening, people sort of do it for themselves a little, like supplemental, like you said. So it does relieve a little bit of the pressure from the stores and having to provide that. But then what does that do for the farmers that people want to buy from the farmers? Well, I mean, the reality is the, the local farmers in Austin couldn't supply 5% of demand if people all suddenly decided they just wanted to buy local. There's just not, I mean, we would oh, need thousands of farms. Yeah. And the farmland's being taken up so quick by development. Uh, I mean, I think we figured one time it was a number like 4,000 farms, 10 acres or less. Wow. Uh, because I mean, it's over 2 million people in the Austin area. Yeah. Uh, and if you think each one just ate a pound a day of vegetables, it's 2 million pounds. That's a lot of produce. You that know, is a rig holds an average of 50,000 pounds. So <laughs> you start thinking about the line of trucks you need. Um, Holy cow. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that that's an issue. I don't feel like I'm taking business away from other farmers because there's always going to be people who, who don't want to or can't. Maybe they live in an apartment or, you know, their HOA doesn't allow them. <laughs> who knows what? <laughs> yeah. And there are just some yards that aren't possible. You know, the tree cover's too thick. Um, and, you know, um, as much as I love vegetables, I don't know if I would propone cut down trees to grow them. Um, so oh, yeah. I really don't feel like that's an issue. As far as it being an urban thing, it's sort of going to make me be and um, it wasn't originally designed them that idea. I mean, I think we'll still go outside, but I think the more people we can get involved in growing food, the more awareness they're going to have in their life. And then I think we will start seeing food changes that way. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you start doing something, you get more interested in it. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. And you provide, look, it's a win-win. Like you pro you're providing for yourself, you know, it's fresh. It's right from your yard. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways you helped it grow. Right. So yeah, there's, there's definitely gotta be a pride in that as well. Um, which will keep you wanting to do it, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, you do something, you're going to learn about it and become more interested in it actually, uh, with it as well. Now, what about like, um, I know this is going to sound crazy, but what about like adding livestock or small animals or stuff? Like, is that something you might get into with people like helping them get chickens or I don't know, a goat or something? Um, I hadn't thought about it, honestly. <laughs> it's, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You know, I uh, grew up raising chickens and pigs actually for 4-H. Uh, I was actually involved in large scale beef production. Uh, so I, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I think it's interesting. And chickens are actually are a pretty amusing animal. They have a lot of personality. Yeah, my neighbor has my neighbor has like five of them that just run around the front yard. They're not even in the backyard, right? They just they literally run into the street sometimes and then run back out. But they yeah. stay right there. They don't run away. I'm amazed yeah. by it. I just every time I drive by it, I'm just amazed by it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they had an area in Bastrop, which was the historic chicken district, and there have been these wild chickens you know, a very, very long time, but they kept reproducing so much so that they actually had to round them up and then rehome them outside of the city. But oh, wow. Driving down, there would just be all these chickens darting all over the road. It's pretty <laughs> amusing, but... <laughs> it is amusing, man. Because I'm, I'm literally in the city, right? I'm off of South Congress, right by Ben White. Like, yeah. So it's just funny to see uh, these chickens here that you would no normally obviously associate with, you know, being out in the country, if you will, right? Uh, put that in quotes. Uh, but... 
you know, yeah, I, I could see that being a part of your business. Honestly, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw your business and I was looking through it would be that that secondary application, right? Maybe down the road, once you've gotten whatever, you know, upgrading a rev, you know, different revenue stream. Um, but obviously, you're dealing with live product, right? So that's got to be a whole nother animal, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, we used to, uh, we had 400 laying hens at the farm. And over the years, we ship it out and just focus on the vegetables. Yeah, it's a whole nother animal. I mean, yeah, it's a whole game, right? It's just. And they do take a lot of work and, you know, there's predators and, you know, I believe if you're going to have another living creature, you need to take absolute uh, immaculate care of it. Yes. So at that time, I was feeling too stretched. Sure. So I just made them get out. Um, you know, I think they're a really amusing one. I don't know about goats because there's some really lippy goats that make a lot of noise. <laughs> they might be a horrible urban animal. <laughs> And they eat, like, they will literally eat anything, right? So, like, you know, they, they can eat into stuff. They're probably, they are probably going to eat shit you don't want them to eat, right? That's, like, that's probably what's going to happen. You're going to look over and there's a chicken missing. Like, damn it. Yeah, I mean, it, goats are such a determined animal. Uh, they're very hard to keep in once they decide they want out. They'll just sit and push and push and push. And eventually, <laughs> the fence usually gives. Uh, we used to have goats, too. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We had one named Buttercup, and uh, she taught all the other goats to yell. So uh, Butter Buttercup had to get rehomed. That's hilarious. Are the goats the ones that um, that when they get well, I guess it's a type of goat that gets scared and it stiffens up and falls over. Is that a goat? Yeah, the fainting goats. Is that yeah? What are they called? Fainting goats. Oh, fainting goats. Yeah. There you go. Fainting yeah. goats. It's a genetic. Is that what it is? I've always curious yeah. why that happens. I think it has something to do with the blood blood rushing, and then they just pass out temporarily. <laughs> I mean, it's the craziest looking thing when you see it happen. Like, I can't imagine w waking up from that, right? The goat waking up like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never actually seen it in person, just videos. <laughs> yeah, just I've seen so many videos. And if I see one, I mean, I will replay it a thousand times. Like, I just can't. It's that moment where it just, boop. And just yeah. falls over. I just like, God, is that, you know, what sort of evolution? I would be pissed at evolution if I was that go. Like, why did you evolve me to do this? This completely leaves me vulnerable, right? Like, I don't know, I guess. Or maybe it looks like they're dead. It kind of looks like they died in a way, right? If you didn't have any sort of uh, maybe the intelligence of another animal, you'd be like, oh, they're dead. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> well, sometimes I wonder that about snakes that mimic venomous snakes, you know, like uh – the coral snake and the snakes that mimic it. So people killed all the time because, you know, who can remember red and black kills Jack? Wait, I don't, I'm okay. You're yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't mess around with snakes, man. I, I don't know. I don't like snakes, but I didn't grow up on a country in the farm, you know, so <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm, you know, I get scared of spiders to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I had a snake in my yard. I've actually been battling a snake for about three weeks in my backyard. Cause I have a pond with koi mm. fish and a little waterfall and he found a way to like create a little home behind the waterfall and so he'll pop out behind from the waterfall at night and then swim around and then try to kill my fish he's gotten a couple fish um it's like crazy like but i don't know you know i'm such a i'm such a pansy man i can't i don't know what to do i don't want to kill it yeah but I, at the same time i'm not just gonna be like hey buddy let's go over here like and i know it's not a deadly or 
because it's it's kind of small. I'm pretty sure it's a garden snake. I mean, yeah. honestly, if somebody else saw it, they'd be like, Patrick, you fucking idiot. Like, what are you what are you bitching about? Yeah, snakes, man. Well, my daughter's petrified of snakes, and we had a lot on the farm. And oh, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it just happens, and she can't control it. She runs away screaming. So um, That's me. Your daughter and I have a lot in common. That's yeah. what <laughs> that's what I do. I, I don't judge people for that. You know, I have weird phobias that don't make sense either. So I yeah, I uh, there's a lot exactly. There's a lot of things I'm not a, a snake. It's just the way it moves. There's something yeah. about the way it moves. Plus, I don't trust anything with no legs or arms. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? There's something yeah. about that that I don't I don't know. It's just yeah. and they move fast. They will just like it's just yeah it's that it's that jolting effect of the way they move around at least for me that's what it is i think yeah it's a it is sort of one of the drawbacks of farming is that you spend so much time looking for snakes i think it starts actually draining your heart a little bit it's <laughs> kind of a little like it's mainly the copperheads because they blend in so well oh and, god and they often don't move until you almost step on them and they're like oh I mean, with a lot of snakes they just like wait till you're gonna step on them and they move and then somehow you're able to like float Jump over. <laughs> so, you, do a little, you do a little matrix move, like yeah. run around. And it's like, <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Yeah, one I actually got in our house. It was a little, uh, gar- there's a little garter snake about that big. And it was in our laundry room and the light was off. And my wife went in there and stepped on it and bit her. Holy but, shit. Oh, what a hell. Obviously, it disappeared really fast. And so we weren't sure what it was. Yeah. But then I had to oh go my tear apart the whole laundry room, move the dryer, trying to find the snake. <laughs> And I don't know what it is, so like I'm like I have a shovel in front of my knee, blocking it, some sort of protection. I can't I'm absolutely right. You're going into the unknown here, like. And at the whole time, like looking at my wife, like, are you reacting? Do I need to take you to the hospital? Because I don't want to take a bull snake bite or whatever. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, we're both get bit, right? Like, yeah, we're both fucking dead here. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit! You're like you. You marry on. If I die, go ahead, live your <laughs> life. You're just like. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine getting bit in the dark and not knowing what the fuck bit you? I can't. That's that would be the worst uh, feeling, right? That's got to be the worst thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but pretty well considering the all those unknowns. She, you know, had this light panic attack and then calmed down pretty quick. So that's I, good I, for I her. Know how I would react? Yeah. Uh, well, we both know how I would react. Let's be, <laughs> let's be real. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. God, this is so, you know, I think it's just so cool, um, you know, what you're doing, Nathan, with this Cultivate uh, text thing, man. I really do. It's just such a, a great uh, concept to get people out because right now you have people's ear. That's the <laughs> truth, man. People are, I have, I mean, so many of my friends and other people, fam, whatever, are talking about farms and farm boxes like it's the new term right to use and like that's going to be another extension is like do, doing what you're offering which i think honestly man i, I really going to see a lot of people get behind this i just don't see why not there's just so many people that want to do it they want to do it but they don't know how okay i'll watch a youtube video okay i'll do this okay i'll do that but at the same time you just there's so much option there's so much whatever so what a great idea to have, you know, someone like yourself with so much expertise, knows what they're doing, come in and show them how it's done. I mean, that's like crazy. To, I mean, honestly, that's such a crazy thing you're doing. Like how many, what, what has been the reception since you guys started this? Well, we technically officially launched yesterday. 
Okay, right on. Boom. Congratulations. That's awesome. So uh, before that, like I said, I just sort of been installing them on my own. Uh, yeah. Because we didn't start working on this as brothers um, until like the middle of last month. So um, pretty much had to build up the whole website and everything since then um, and figure out everything. But uh, it's been very, very encouraging. Um, you know, and when I sold at the farmer's market, I would talk to a lot of people about home growing because you know, that's what people ask farmers about. Sure. And so many people would quit because they would have failure. And I would always like kind of break my heart because then they'd be like, oh no, I can't. I, you know, I've got a black thumb. I kill everything. I'm like, no, you don't. No one has a black thumb. You just don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's and true. And I just wanted to help them so much. It was just like, but it's kind of hard if someone's describing like a, a fungal disease on a tomato plant. It can have a lot of different root causes and solutions and things. Um, so that's just, I really want to, you know, in my dream, I would love to help people get them going, get them excited, get them like a base knowledge and then be able to kind of step off and then sure. them continue. Um, that's like a real dream for me um, is to get people, you know, skilled enough where they can do it on their own and they don't need me anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a long-term goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And someone asked me like, well, that's a bad business idea. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people in the world. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Plus, those people will probably come back. I forgot everything you told me. All right, like we we need to go again. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I was talking to someone. She's like, "Well, I'm, I'm a pretty accomplished gardener, but um, would could I hire you when I go on vacation? When I do that again? I'm like, yeah, maybe we can work something out. You know? <laughs> can I hire you <laughs> instead of home sitting? You garden sit? I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's interesting. Garden sit. Whoa, that's a yeah. That's a that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> I just think there's so many options and you know, this is just kind of the start and um, we really would like to see this business grow into being part of people's lives. Yeah. It's something that integrates with their lives. And that's one thing we're really trying to make the technology as an add on to it. We don't want it to be that the technology is the center stage at all, but um, really just helps people grow. What about th these are just some, a couple of things that I thought of, um, you know, right now. Um, so what if you have an apartment? What if you rent a home mm -hmm. and you're, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's, I'm just, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing sure. this out here. Curious. Well, even though we just launched yesterday, I've actually already been out doing uh, consults. And yesterday was actually at someone who rented a house. And because it's movable, if the landlord didn't want it there when they left, you could take it apart and move it on. So That's not, awesome. That is awesome. damage anything. Yep. Um, the whole system's designed to be modular. Um, as far as apartments, that's really going to be, unless you can get the apartment complex to agree to let you do it in like a commons area, which I don't see many corporations yet willing to do that. Hopefully maybe maybe you guys offer like a little patio set that's not very big, right? It's just like a three, four foot long thing, not very wide even, maybe by a foot or something. And it's only got three or four things in it. Just sort of starter kit, get you going something to have mm -hmm. on the counter. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. This is what yeah. I do. I love uh, being creative and coming up with a business idea. You know, this I is mean, I have some ideas for apartments. Um, they would be more of a pot type system. Pot. Okay. Where you pick up the whole thing and all be self-contained. Got it. Put a box and then put the, the dirt onto the concrete and the water is going to leak out. Um, that's not, not, that's not what I meant. I meant like, uh, I meant what you're saying. Like a planter box. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant. That's what I meant. Um, you know, I, I would like to be able to off, be able to offer options to everybody. Yeah. Maybe we can't individually go to apartments, but maybe 10 people in an apartment complex want to do it. 
and we can have a bi-weekly class to teach you or something. That's what if you sold it to apartment complexes, right? You go to these apartment complexes and say, Hey, let me install four of these right at your place. You mm-hmm. pay me, right? So now the apartment complex is your, and, but now they're an apartment group. So they got 10 of them across Austin, right? So you're, dude, this is. Another thing I would like to work with is uh, businesses um, where people aren't used to seeing food grown, like at an office. So once people start going back to it, I think the idea that's a great the idea. mental mindset would be different. If you walked into work and there's a bunch of broccoli growing, it just I, plants make you happy. Dude, like, that's a great cool. idea. Yes. And I think that it would make people feel better. Yeah. I mean, you know, depending on how you feel about this, it's stressful. It just is. Sure. Um, so I, I really hope that, you know, we can get some of the corporations to change the mindset too. Sure. Because I think that will help lead the way. So, you know, say if it's a business that has 500 employees and you put some boxes out front, well, all those employees now saw it. It yeah. opens their mind to thinking about it. Well, that's a good point too. And this is Austin. So a lot of people are open to that stuff, right? They're looking mm-hmm. for that stuff. Like, that's a great idea, man. The business thing is a great idea. You know, another thing you could even offer to, you know, food trucks or restaurants. Hey, you guys want your own couple boxes? We'll stall them for it. You know, I mean... Damn, man, this is yeah. Like uh, Michael from Olme, he's already uh, he's like, hey, I want one in Olme. I you know? knew it. I knew it. I knew that would happen because if I had a restaurant, I mean, when I had my food truck, I would have loved something like that because I was in one spot for a long time, mm, yeah. right? I mean, I, I did move around, but like at the beginning, I was in a food park for like the first almost two years, and I would have loved to have had a couple boxes there, right? That I could just have some stuff growing that I could be using on the truck. Sure. That, that would have been awesome. Oh man, I, dude, you, you've like hit on something, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, you've really hit on something that's, that's to, so crazy too. Cause it's, has so many possibilities, you know, just look at all the things we're throwing out, right? Like that could be done and the future for you, like people are going to really respond to this man. And especially now, like, you know, as much as I, ha- of course, I hate everything that's happening right now in the world. And if I could take it back, I would and blah, blah, blah. Right. All those things that, that I, ha- I pretty much have to say this every podcast. But <laughs> but at the same time, there are opportunities right now for people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's, that's what, you know, these sort of crises, that's what happens. Opportunities come from these things. Right. Like new startups, new ideas, new right, new new solutions to old problems. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, right? And, and obviously seeing the way, you know, supply chains are set up, the way distribution is set up, we were talking about earlier, you know, we're seeing our food, you know, system sort of break down in a lot of ways on a yeah. national level and perfect opportunity for smaller growers or places or whatever to step in and start taking care of the local community. And I think it's awesome, man. I I really do. I just think it's such a cool thing you have going. Like, I I really do, man. I just can't even tell you, like, I I know people listening to this are going to want to reach out to you and get something going. And even if this is, this is such a, what's such a great thing about your concept too, is even if I don't want to do it for me, I'm going to share it because it's such a cool idea. Right. Even if it's like, well, I can't use it at my house, but I know 10 people who might like this. This is such a great idea. That's another cool thing that's good about it is that if the person doesn't use it, they will share it, man, because it's such a cool, uh, God, such a cool thing. Well, hopefully, because we're not 
uh, a startup on a shoestring self-funded. So uh, any help is greatly appreciated. Of course, man. I, I mean, me personally, I'm going to be sharing it like crazy. There's no doubt about it, man. And then once my friends find out, they start sharing it, right? They, yeah. uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm surprised Robert might actually, I, I don't, I'm surprised Robert hasn't hit you up to do something like this. He just got some new house. Uh, he, although Robert's the type of person might say, well, I could do it myself. I don't know. That's totally Robert. Like, ah, I'll figure it out. And then it blows up in his face. And he's like, ah, damn it. Better call I mean, I'm pretty addicted to that Muay Thai sauce. Bro, his <laughs> sauces are legit. I'm rocking the sweet chili. Uh, he has a sweet chili sauce. Yeah, you got that one too. Oh, I like to, sometimes I mix them. The yes. Muay Thai and the sweet chili. Yes, yes. The <laughs> Muay Thai you could put on anything. I yeah. mean, that's just like. It's like, I, I tell Robert, like, you need to promote that as the new sriracha for people. Like, get that out okay. there. Let them see. Let them just be like, it's just a table kind of, you know, just put it on anything. Yeah, Robert is yeah, like, such a talented guy. My wife isn't a huge sauce person. Like, I'm pretty addicted to them. I'll admit I, you know, <laughs> put my line in my stomach several times. But yeah. she tried that Muay Thai sauce. I mean, she's putting it on everything now. And totally. We put it on salad the other day. It was like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Robert will be super excited to hear that, man. That's awesome. That is yeah, awesome. So, uh, you know, I think, I think he's a great guy. And I love that their story is, you know, it's heartbreaking, but it's sort of similar to this in the way that horrible things happen in life sometimes and you just have to find a way to make a positive road out of it. Absolutely. It's not always easy. Yeah. Um, their story is slightly heartbreaking to me as a father, um, but I'm so it impressed is. with it their courage and strength to work through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I'm saying with this is there's, you know, it is scary to a lot of people, um, but you can either be scared or try and find a solution that makes things better. Yeah. I think what's great about it, dude, is that you're, people don't need to feel scared with this particular concept with yours because you're there for them, man. You're, you're going to oh, yeah. be, you're, you know what I mean? You're going to be there for them. It's not like, it's not like you're dropping it off at the front door and, Oh, good luck. There's the instructions. It's not like an Ikea piece of furniture, right? Where you're going to be at home for like 12 hours. Like this piece of shit. I got, I got a piece of wood left over and seven screws left over. What the hell? Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you're going to be there. You're going to, if they have any questions, they have any concerns, if they have any doubts, like you're going to be there for them, uh, you know, or someone from your you know company as you grow. Um, and, and I think that's awesome. I think that's what's the best part about it is that you won't feel alone from working with you. you you're going to feel support. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up before, you know, before this ends, your brother, right? He's, he's doing like the technology aspect to it. So yeah. what, I what I like that you said at the beginning was that it's, he's more coming in to help the growing aspect of it, right? So that's what his technology, whatever. So what are some of the ways technology wise y'all are hoping that, you know, that you have now and are hoping to maybe add, uh, cause I do think that is something that will bring some people in, right? It's technology it's on my phone. It's, it's connected. I got a, I got a smart garden, you yeah. know, right? Like I, that's going to bring people in for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, we have different phases. Um, so, you know, some of them are, you know, uh, watering mo monitoring, things like that from your phone eventually getting where you can actually control the water and with your phone um, and things like that, nutrient level. Um, when we're doing maintenance, we'd like to be able to um, up, update basically on an app what we're doing so you know. So say for example, if we planted a bunch of carrot seeds, well, it's gonna look like nothing's there. And maybe you wanna go out and cultivate your, your, your box for a little bit and then you just dug up all the carrot seeds. 
So we'd like to be able to update that. Got um, it. You know, have people be able to interact with their box on their phone. I mean, you know, it's just the reality is we use our phones so much. And so to find a way to bring the farming into the phone so that you'll get more connected to it that way. Um, you know, and we have uh, some other versions as far as uh, taking some of my knowledge and making it accessible um, as far as an app. And then as people have gotten more used to the, the Zoom and interaction, so when someone does have a question, having a Zoom call, things like that, so that you know, they don't feel alone. Um, That's awesome. It's really how we've kind of set in our minds how we view success is by um, someone's bounty. So that's really how we're, our company's only successful if people are actually getting food out of it. Um, it's not measured in, you know, how many sales are we making? Sure. Because in the end, that's just not what our vision is. It's, you know, we want people connected, happy, and just engaged with it. Um, you know, and we, don't, we don't view ourselves as like a product company. We're not just, like you said, going to go install a box and then be gone. Yeah. Because um, I just, unfortunately, <laughs> the success rate of most people is going to be pretty low. And I don't mean to be cynical in that way. It's just from personal observation and talking with a lot of people. Sure. And then they quit. And, you know, that's not the goal. The goal is success. And, yeah. and you know, not very long ago, pretty much every American had some of the agriculture in their life. And so growing things was a little more connected. I mean, sure. Most of our great grandmothers had gardens. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather did. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we have this pretty big disconnect, but it's not that far. So I feel like people can learn it and they shouldn't be intimidated. And that's what we really want to take away is that, that fear of, well, I can't do it. Sure. Yeah, because we're here for you. We are, we really want to be someone's partner in it. Um, because I don't want people to be scared of it. You know, like with tech, I wouldn't be able to do this because I'm scared of technology. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can use this stuff, but much above that, it's out of my sphere of knowledge. Me, me too, man, to be honest with you. I barely do this. This is like, it had to be set up for me. Right, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, Luke, my brother, is, is just as passionate about this, and he had worked on a lot of really cool projects for like Fortune 500 companies, but he always sort of felt like a, it wasn't really hitting his calling. He wanted a purpose more for his life besides sure. just making really cool uh, software and development. Uh, and so, when he had these ideas and they flowed, it was just like, man, those make sense. And um, I don't know, we have, we have talked about his brothers because we both owned our own companies for 20 plus years always kind of wanting to work together yeah and it was just like this was it it was like perfect synergy it all yeah. lined up yeah um, and his skill set is completely different than mine and so we complement each other so we're not you know having sibling <laughs> rivalry or competition yeah. um, it, it feels really great honestly to be able to work with him and just things are flowing and they make sense um, and we both just have a really positive optimistic view for what this can be for people yeah it's it's nice i'll be honest it's awesome, man. It really is. And, and you know, another idea I just had is like, what if y'all had a, cause this is me, right? Like, let's say maybe not me, but some people would, would be um, like, I want to see my garden when I'm away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe having a connected, you know, uh, camera, right. That, that shows your garden, you can see it all. Maybe y'all already thought of that. I don't know that that's something that I would be like, Oh, that's cool. You can look, you can see your garden, you know, as well at all times. Not that it matters. I don't know why you need to be checking in on the squash at 3 AM, but um, when I was farming, I could be on vacation and be like, man, I wish I could see the farm. Really? See, <laughs> yeah. I told, I knew it. Like I exactly. I knew it. I mean, it, it sounds weird, but like 
it's your baby, right? It's your yeah, baby. It is. It, I mean, you know, you 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 put time and effort and attention into it. I get uh, it. At least for I mean, me, I know there's some people that just walk away, and I'm sure there's people that are, man, this dude's a little unstable. <laughs> <laughs> I always like this before. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you guys, uh, the chefs. You're in the right industry because chefs aren't. You know, we don't have it all together either, man. Okay, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, we're, that's the reason I got in the restaurant industry is because I'm a little crazy, so they accepted me. It was like I found I found people like me. That's what I said when I I remember when I first started. Where I was like, everybody's like me. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I would love because people would tell me, oh, I'm gonna I want to be a chef because they make so much money. I'm like, really? Have you ever talked to one? Yeah. Uh, wrong wrong career, pal. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be hunched over like six inches a table that's just a little too short for eight hours a day if like, you want to do if you want to have a life you know see uh do anything in life make money don't be a chef you just yeah. said you just said all the wrong thing like there's no time forget birthdays holidays weekends uh you know anything right any celebrate you you, you give up your service uh you become Work life balance it's uh oh what does that mean it's yeah. like <laughs> it's a which is an issue in the industry it's something i keep talking about um yeah. you know I, I i do hope that that uh sort of changes one day but you know look it's you, you get out of food what you put into it right mm-hmm. when you when you're cooking and you're creating meals and you're creating dinners and you know anytime i've done that anytime i've you had to co- create menus or dishes or whatever it's you get what you put out i mean it's that simple however much i research or whatever that's what I'm going to get out of it. And that's the response I'm going to get out of it as well. Yeah. It's, that, it's literally that simple. And, and I'm sure it's the same way with farming, right? As, as much effort as you put into the soil and the seeds and cultivating it and thinking about the sunlight and the water and the irrigation and, and the pest control and whatever, depending on how much you think about it, that's basically going to be a reflection of your vegetables that come out, right? Like in a lot of ways. And that's, I mean, it was one reason it was so enjoyable to work with the chefs because there was this kind of equal obsession from both of us. Yes. They were obsessed with their dishes and I was obsessed with my vegetables. Yep. And, so, and that's uh, why they liked you. I guarantee you they liked you because you were obsessed with it. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I know. I've, I've, I've worked in tons of restaurants. Like I've, I've purchased, like those are the people you look for. You don't want to buy from somebody that's like, well, I got, yeah, I got some shit if you want it. Yeah. And you're like, uh okay but you this guy comes in like i got tomatoes like i sleep with them at night i read them stories you know you're just like okay we want this guy like he's he's because you're gonna get that with the you know with the product and it's something you know you can have a long-term relationship with that's another thing that restaurants sometimes have issues with this is something i heard one time from a owner of a chain i don't want to say chain because it was only three restaurants but it was a a small restaurant group up in dallas i don't want to say i don't want to call anybody out but so (laughs) the owner the owner said um you know i don't want to order from farms there's too much inconsistency and you know i don't know what i'm gonna get and when i'm gonna get it and you know, what about the health aspect of it? If we have issues with the food, what do we do then? Right? Like, how does that work? And I thought, this is that's such a wrong way of, of thinking. And I remember the chef at the time going back with the owner, like, yeah, but that's not, we have to worry about that with 
who we order from, right? Like yeah. we're, we're cause this was before the farm to table movement happened. You know, yeah. this was like 2009. I mean, I guess maybe there were one or two places maybe that did it, but it was just starting. So it was like, nobody wanted to buy from a local farm. Owners were worried about it. The, the, you know, I don't know. They just thought, well, how, how can I buy this? Is something could happen to us. You know, we get sued because this person got sick off these tomatoes that we bought from this guy that he grows in his back, you know, yard. Like, yeah, it, it was such a, but now that has changed. Now chefs are looking for that. They, they like prefer that over anything. And I'm happy to see that change, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but that is a concern with some chefs being able to get stuff consistently, have a good relationship with the farmer, you know, Honestly, buying it from different places, right? I've got to buy from five different places instead of one place. Yeah. Right. I mean, honestly, farmers, and I'm not going to say all, but a large percent need to do a better job on that aspect of it, being consistent, delivering what they say they're going to, um, just raising the level of professionality. Sure. Um, you know, I love farming, but at the end of it, I was in farming because it was a business and I have a family. Um, and I didn't want to make, you know, I had no intention of, being a starving farmer. I'm not interested in that. I know how to grow food. I wasn't practicing. It yeah. was business and I was trying to make a living. Yep. A good living, which I did. Um, and I would try to encourage other farmers of that, but you know, I would run my crops, the numbers, the same as you would if you were producing any other widget. Well, sure. I'd be interested in my widget, yes, but it still had to hit parameters I had set. Sure. Because, you know, people talk about sustainable farming a lot. At the very core, it has to be sustainable for the farmer, which means you have to make enough money to continue to do it. Yeah. And the only way you do that is if you run it like it's a business. And chefs will buy stuff from you. They will give you lots of money, but they are running a business too. They need predictability. When you say you're going to deliver 50 bunches, you need to deliver 50 bunches. Yes. And maybe once in a while you fall short by five, that happens, but it can't constantly happen. Because exactly. They, you know, they can't just change the menu. Um, it's all connected, right? It's, this, it's, this, it's a, a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, completely. And, I remember one time, it was oh, probably a year after we had started selling to uh, barley swine to Bryce, and there was this horrible freeze coming in, and it was in a knockout, a bunch of the summer stuff that was carrying over. And so I called Bryce and I told him, I was like, you know, there's a hard frost coming in, it's really gonna knock out a bunch of stuff. And he just told me to pick it all and deliver it. And I was like, well, it's a lot of rain. He's like, I don't care what it is. And he just bought it all. So it's wow. like that kind of support you get that when you provide them with constant things. That's a great they point. They want to make sure you're still there too. Yeah, that's a good point. That relationship. Yes, that's a good um, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's sort of uh, in some ways like a restaurant or chef, depending if they own it, if they're a chef owner or just a chef, right? Like it's, it's something they're proud of of where they get things from. Like, I got this guy for this, and this guy gets me this, and damn, where did you get that protein from? Oh, you gotta call this guy, you know, like, and I love that, like that, and that's where it needs to keep going. It just needs to keep going that way and keep going further, and the, the relationships, you know, just need to stay that way, right? And and keep building them, and, and I know it's hard for farmers, um, to get out and get their product out sometimes to, to people and make that connection because they're just trying to grow the food and they're working long hours and, you know, then there's the city, right. And I, I get it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's such a tough, it's man. It's just, y'all do a tough thing, man. That's just the bottom line. And, and it, in the end of the day for me, it's always been a business though. In any yeah. business, you got to get out and talk to people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with you for sure. Um, and, yeah. 
I tell beginning farmers that and I'm not shy with my words. I'm very blunt. Yeah. Like if you want to make a living doing this, you have to go and sell it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, who's going to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's farmers that have this mentality that somehow they're owed a favor by choosing to be a farmer. And I think that's the, absolutely the worst mentality to have. It's just the wrong energy to approach anything with. No one owes you anything. You know, is it our job? Yes. You know, do you have more variables than a lot of small businesses because it's all outside? Yes. But no one made you do it. So you're called yeah. to do it because it's your passion about it. I'm going out there and kick ass. Yeah, absolutely. Not that complicated. Um, and just like most small businesses, there's only a huge percent that fail. But that's because it's small business, not because it's necessarily farming. I think there's the added component because you're also producing your widget outside where you're not just trying to pick the next thing that's going to sell hot. So, um, but I think when we have this mentality that, that farmers are owed some national debt, I just disagree with it. I, I think you're going to attract the wrong type of people. And for the local food movement in particular to succeed, we need people that are going to come at it and be like, this is how I'm going to do it. Uh, like Becky that bought our farm, I'm so impressed with her. She has spreadsheets. She knows what crops make what. I have, yeah high confidence that she's going to be around in 10 years. And that That's makes awesome. me happy because like I can talk to her about business. She's got it. Yeah. And, you know, and she's also passionate about farming. So it's like, yeah. mm, like that excites me. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That's really great, man. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, look, restaurants don't have uh, a good success rate either. You know, so say, same sort of deal. Like anyone that's like, I want to open up a restaurant. It's like, are you sure? Do you know what you're talking? It's always somebody that has never been in the industry, right? That's always somebody that's never been, says that, it's, you know, some guy like, well, you know, my neighbors love my tamales. Okay, great. <laughs> what does that mean? You're going to, you're going to invest $3 million now because your neighbors love your fucking pork tamales. That's not a smart uh, way to go about it. Uh, I asked a yeah. chef once, I was like, man, with your guys' horrible failure rate and the high startup cost, how, how do you get funding so easy? He's like, oh, everybody just thinks they're in a restaurant sexy. Yep, exactly. Like, People don't invest in restaurants to make their money back. They invest in it because that's where I'm going to go sit and eat and say I know the chef. I swear to God. that's every. I remember when I worked in Dallas, um, again, a, a, an owner that of a restaurant group that I won't mention his name, but I remember he, he blatantly said in a meeting we were having with, you know, we would do these weekly management meetings and um, he basically said, just like, look, uh, the investors give me their money, but I have no intention of paying them back. Like they're giving me money because they just want to say they invested in me. And it's sexy when they go out to dinner with their clients, they go to the restaurant and they're an investor in, and we sit down at a special table and get special treatment and maybe a walk through the kitchen. But that dude is never going to get his 50 grand back ever. And, yeah. the, and the owner has no intention of paying him. Like yeah. literally now I'm sure the investor doesn't know that, but that's the truth of a lot of restaurants. Like you're not, I'm sorry, but you don't get into restaurants to make money. I, I don't, think so if you make money along the way that's great but you did it because you love it you, yeah. you you know you have a passion for it you've been in it the industry a long time you maybe you've worked as a sous chef or a chef somewhere and now you're ready for your own concept right your own vision and that's what it's about it's yeah. about pride and chefs wanting their own vision out there right that's what it is that's why they get that restaurant going success again if a restaurant can pay their bills they're successful yeah. They don't even need to make a profit even. Just did we get the bills paid? 
you know, is Nathan paid? Is the meat guy paid? Is this okay with success? We yeah. made it, you know, it's such a crazy high margin, right? Like just like the worst, it's just like the, in a lot of ways, it's crazy to get into it, the business. Yeah. You know, I would always ask the chefs cause I like numbers in business. You know, most of them are pretty open and I'm like, and why are you doing this? Like that profit margin doesn't, I mean, there's a lot of risk there, buddy. <laughs> I'm so, not trying to get you to close, but I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> Yeah, I try to get you to close. Yeah, which is why people have such a problem with these delivery services right now. I don't know if you see that online that that's sort of pop bubbling right now, and it's that why because restaurants have such a thin margin, right? We they can't afford to give thirty percent or thirty three percent of every order to fucking Grubhub. Like Jesus Christ! Like, well, the app's gonna help them sell more. <laughs> So, right that's the bullshit they sell you well you'll reach more people yeah okay get the f out of here With my three percent profit margin will be great. <laughs> yeah yeah this is great it's like i'm gonna have to lower the portions people are literally gonna get like a picture of the food that's all i can afford to send them you don't even get the food you get a picture of the meal that's what it looks like <laughs> but it'll be digital because it costs too much to even print yeah. <laughs> It won't even be a big exactly. It'll be a digital. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's 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 a, and that's the thing. People, restaurants have to start doing all these things: lower the portion, raise the price. Why is it more expensive when I order on Grubhub? If I order, except if I order from you directly, because they're fucking charging us an arm and a leg, and I have to charge more to make this work. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's so crazy, man. It's a uh, there's almost so many things that work against the industry and so many people try to come in and you know like vultures and just try to get a piece of the pie of a pie that doesn't have any pieces available like the yeah. restaurant there's no pieces available pie in the restaurant industry um you know it's crazy which is why i think again something like what you're doing is just such a, such a phenomenal thing man you know what you're probably going to have some competition soon I, I look forward to it. I think competition does it's better. It's good. I agree. Competition is good, dog. Exactly. And, and, you know, I know quite a bit about farming. And so it's one of those industries. It's, you know, I, I look forward to someone coming in trying to help people grow better than me. And if That's they can, awesome. that means I'm, I'm failing and I need to step up my game. Sure. Um, I love competition. I'm, you know, there's four boys in my family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm towards the lower end of that. So, you know, you, you got to be slightly competitive to survive. Sure. Uh, and, I, you know, I never want to, like, beat anyone else, put them out. But I do definitely find when I, I, I want to push myself as high as I possibly sure. can. Nothing I, wrong I, with that. And if there's another company, you know, hey, there's 2 million people in Central Texas. 100%. I have every intention to grow this business, but I don't know if I can serve 2 million people. I mean, I mean 100%, man. Again, <laughs> competition is great because that means more people want to do it. Right. Yeah. And more people, it just, it's out there more. And, and yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. This is so great. Um, look, okay. Nathan, um, I know you got a lot of stuff to do. Um, and I just want to say, you know, again, thank you so much. First of all, just for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with me. And again, I just, I really love what you're doing, man. And you're spreading a good word here in Texas and, you know, getting people to learn about farming and stuff, man. It's just awesome. It's just, I just can't tell you how awesome it is. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me, Patrick, and helping us kind of spread the word. So. I am, man. I'm absolutely going to spread the word. And hopefully when, you know, things settle down a little bit and, and things are, you know, I know things are kind of opening back up. I'm personally waiting till June-ish to sort of really get out there. I mean, I go here and there, but, you know, like mentally, like 
yeah you know, full stop not till really june but maybe we can get together man and have a beer and and uh you know do something after this is all done maybe me and you and robert or something absolutely look forward so, to it awesome brother okay man well um good luck with everything stay safe stay clean and my best to your family and um we'll talk soon all right awesome thanks sir all right bud be good All right, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at patrick at texasrealfood.com. And don't forget, you can check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts, you'll you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to thelonestarplate.com. And uh, you can find everything you need there, all the episodes. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and do the Zoom stuff. And, um, you know, so if you feel like doing it that way, go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. Uh, make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. Um, you know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple podcast. Uh, that would really help us out, uh, as well. So if you support, you know, what we're trying to do here. So thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we you know, what's the point of doing this? Um, so if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. All right. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.